Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Player Engage podcast. Greg here. Today, we're joined by Veronica Rose. Veronica has a rich background in customer support, working at companies such as Bose, WB Games, and Vecna Robotics. I'm excited to kind of hear about the growth, how that works, how you just look at customer support. Uh, Before I go any further, Veronica, thank you very much for joining us today. You want to do a little introduction of yourself? Sure. Hi, I'm I'm Veronica Rose. Uh, I, I have been all of those things. My focus, though, is just customer support and and the growth path of everyone in in that career path. I don't yeah. know customer support. And there's a lot going on. Support. Sorry, yeah. I can don't do that. Be sorry, again. this is the whole conversation thing. It's camera it's camera take, fights here. It's gonna take forever. Greg, no. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. not. And we could just have the time. So <laughs> it's an interesting concept because I started my career in customer support and yeah. it was a nightmare to me. I was on the phones getting, and we also kind of, with Bose, I'm interested in what you're interested on, kind of what, what the career was like at Bose. But from the, uh, from my career path, we were, we were in the financial sector. And when services went down with someone trying to trade stocks in the stock market, it was a nightmare. They'd call and yell at you and be not nice. And it was sad for me. But for Bose, which is an awesome company, you can make headphones, you make all audio devices. Like, well, what's the customer support like at Bose? Um, well, I can tell you what it was like, because I believe that since I left there in the interim years, they have outsourced all of their support, um, which is unsurprising as they're in the Massachusetts area. That's where their support was. So it's pretty expensive here. It was it was an interesting. It was an interesting job. I started working there as a customer support agent uh, slash tech support agent because I worked overnights during the holidays and it was oh my goodness, it was them having their commercials on TV at like 3 a.m. And people would call and just be like, hey, tell me about this, this Bose system. Or like, uh, I would like to learn more about your digital radios. So it, I I learned a lot because I was not really that big of a like a speaker head or, you know, people who were, who were big into Bose. But I met some really great people working there and being third shift, like there's like five of you and you get, you get to be really close and you learn how great customer support can be in that, in that small environment. At that point, what was it? Purely phone support, email support, something else as well, or is it really those? Thank you for thinking I'm that old. <laughs> Which one? Hey, I, I it was, said rotary dial, you know, smoke signals. Yeah. <laughs> we had to do everything in sign language because there were no talkies back then. No, it it was mostly phone support though, so because they would run the ads. It was it was actually it was 2007, so it was right around the time that Hurricane Katrina had happened in the South, and all of these. Um, ads were running in the South. And like, as a human, I felt really bad because I'm like, these people have like literally lost everything. And here I am trying to sell them a thousand dollars stereo. And you know, it's that it's personal choice. I'm sure there are people who have money for a thousand dollars stereos, but it did feel really like not great sometimes where they were like, I think maybe if I put it on a credit card, I could do this. And 
I, you know, that, that's the part that, that I did not love. The part that I did love was, you know, when an older person would call and they would, they would be so excited that they had this, like, they had the money finally for this, like, this elite brand of radio and they were going to show it to their kids at Christmas, that kind of thing. It's the funniest thing I remember growing up. Everyone had the bows. Was it like the wave something or what? What was yeah, like the, the wave long, radio? That was yeah. like the hottest item, and, and it just feels so antique now. Even thinking about it, like yeah, yeah, I I see them every once in a while. In like, you know, if you go to like a like a small shop where like the it's just like a little independently owned thing. There's usually one in the on the back wall that they're listening to because they, they do, they are excellent sound. And I think at the end of the holiday season, I got the acoustic wave, which is the taller wave radio. The, I don't know. I don't even know how much they are because I was never in the market for one, but, and then we also got the, um, the quiet comfort headphones the ones that are noise canceling. Those are amazing. They don't make the the on-ear ones that I had have because I still own them. Excellent if you want really good headphones. See, you still got the little sales back there. From both. <laughs> Just call this number. <laughs> we'll get you set up. So, so from there, you, you love customer support. You find Turbine. Yeah. So I started looking because my kids at the time were around three and five. And yeah. been there. I yeah. I was I was done living the overnight life while having kids who were starting to get into school because um it's hard to get home at 7 a.m., put them on the bus, sleep for a little bit, wake up, and you know. So I started looking for something different. And my husband was at a poker game with his buddies, and one of those guys happened to work for Turbine. And he said, hey, you know, we're hiring for customer support. You know, Veronica could do that. And I was like, I like uh, I like Asheron's Call, one of my favorite video games. And uh, I applied and I it was like it was like that to get the job. Like it, it was not hard at all. I was like, I don't know what people complain about. Little did I know that it is actually very hard sometimes to get hired into video games. So, yeah, that was. I mean, that was how I, how I, I came to, to go to Turbine was that I, I wanted a customer support position and I liked their product. Yeah. And then at Turbine, you held a number of different roles, right? So you started off at customer support. I think it all probably falls under the customer support branch, right? Is yeah. this when you were first exposed to like the different parts of customer support as well? Yeah, it was, it was mostly, so when I started, it was in-game support. So I was the person who, if you were playing Lord of the Rings online and you accidentally deleted your pony, that you were submitting a ticket in game. And, and I would I would tell you like, hey, sorry. Um, well, when I started, hey, sorry, I can't give you back your pony because you've already gotten one item reimbursed to you. Because at that time, and I don't, it's not the rule anymore. So I guess I can say it, that you were allowed one item to be reimbursed over the lifetime of your account. So as long as you were a player, you can only have one, which personally, I was like, this is ridiculous. Like one thing. Yes, I get that. Like when you delete your pony, you have to like drag it into the middle of the screen, 
let it go, accept the delete thing, and then go, oh no, I deleted my pony. But, but it happened apparently a lot. And Never underestimate people. So, so that was my first job was game master. And we all had our, we all had names that was like pseudonyms, I guess. And um, so I created the pseudonym. You can know it now, but you couldn't when I worked there. I was plus dust uh, because I wanted people to think I was insignificant. I don't want you, I don't want you to hate me. Look, I'm just dust, insignificant. Also, people were wondering if I was male or female forever. There were arguments on Brandywine of whether or not I was male or female. Gotta love gamers. I know. Yes. And I would would always tell them that there's no such thing as girls on the internet. And then of course they would go like, I told you it's a dude. And the other people would be like, no, she's a woman. But yeah, so that was the first job. And then senior game master. So where I started teaching the new, the new um, game masters, the ropes. And then from there I became, uh, I think I went to fraud support where um, if you said, hey, I didn't mean to make this purchase, um, we could go look and see if you used all the stuff. We could do, if you did chargebacks to your account, but you still wanted to play, it would come to us and we would work through that with you. And then from there, I became a manager of in-game support and then a senior manager where I was the head of all of all the things uh social media and in-game support and account support and tech support do it all yeah yeah whatever i can i can do it so it must be this kind of shell shock for lack of better words you know i i remember again being a customer support agent and at the end of the day i'd look at the board and say all right i closed 30 tickets today 50 tickets today i feel good and then you become a manager and it's not the same type of number counting. It's not always it's not always easy to feel like you got things accomplished that day. How did you like that transition? Did it take you time to grow into it? Yeah, it took it took me a long time because the the support organization for WB was not huge. I mean, you think of you think of WB as this like huge company. They do um, movies and VHS and, 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 but each of them, each of the parts of it are, are pretty well separated. And so there were maybe 20 people at the most ever within the support team. And so there weren't a lot of mentors. I mean, I had my boss, but we were sort of growing up in tandem. And so the stuff that we learned was the stuff that we learned together. So when I had when I had people become supervisors and managers under me, it was one of the first conversations that I had with them is that like one, the people who are your peers now are now working for you. And you you don't keep the same relationship. You want to because you want to still be the same. But it it is very much for the first maybe six months you go, what do I even do here? Because I don't have that, like, I don't have the number at the end of the day to prove that I've done a good job. So you you don't have that ticket count or the 
you know, that feel good, like, oh, I talked to a customer and it was awesome interaction. Usually if you have to talk to a customer at that point, it's because it's not an awesome interaction. Mm-hmm. So just to kind of fill in the blank, right? Turbine was a, was it acquired by WB games or it became just yeah, WB sorry. Boston? <laughs> no, you're good. I'm just for people listening, just to kind of clear it up it was, and how it went down. It was acquired by WB games. I believe it was 2012. Okay. And it was, it was around the time that WB had just come into gaming as, as had started buying up a bunch of studios. And so the, the, the only studio that really had like a, a really fleshed out support staff was what is now WB Games Boston. So that was Turbine. And they, they kept the Turbine name for a few years after, um, after WB bought them. And so a lot of the other studios, so like NetherRealm Studio that does Mortal Kombat would use Boston as their support team. So we would we would work with them when they came out with a new game or there was a bug or people needed to be delivered a new Raiden costume or things like that. Um, Montreal, Avalanche, Rocksteady, Playdemic, when it was part of it, we worked with Playdemic a little bit. They were more separated, but all of these things together would use our support in some ways. Very cool. So so now you're getting visibility across kind of the gaming world, right? It's been a number of years you're in there. And, you know, you start managing these teams and, and building teams, right? When do you start formulating these strategies on what works and what doesn't work in customer support? Because there's also this kind of interesting transition over the time where things become more digital, right? Of course, they were always digital, but there's less phones, there's more emails, chat starts kicking in, like different types of things. And then all these strategies that exist today probably started being thought about back then, like VIP type of stuff and things like that. So when do you kind of start thinking about all this stuff? Yeah, so I think it was, oh my goodness, I want to say it was right around the time that maybe so when we sold off the MMOs, so we sold them to Daybreak. So we sold MMOs because there was um, we were shifting from this sort of old style of gaming to mobile gaming. And that was when Game of Thrones Conquest was going to launch. And so we had with the MMOs, uh, Lord of the Rings Online and Dungeons and Dragons Online, we had phone support. So if you had a, an account question, you could call us and then in-game support you could email only or not email it was in-game in-game chat so we had we had different ways that you could contact us and when we shifted to this sort of mobile game strategy we kept the phones open because we were like well it's a phone so like they'll want to call us right if they have a problem with their game And I think we left the phone open for like three months and we got a voicemail, like one, (laughs) that was it. And that was how I learned that people like to play on their phones and not talk on their phones. (laughs) So yeah, it was, that was a, it was a huge leap for us as just this tiny sort of support staff, because most of the games that we have are, are email support they have. (laughs) <laughs> it's still a part of me. 
And so it's mostly email support. There's there's not even, a, at least at the time that I exited, there was no sort of strategy for like, let's move on to just like SMS or let's move on to something like larger, uh, a different kind of strategy because email support seems to work well for WB. What, what Veronica may or may not remember is that in 2020, I was on an email thread with her as a as the sales engineer for HelpShift, trying to sell WB HelpShift, but but they were very very content with their their Zendesk strategy, which fair I understand, but gotta get with the times. Sorry, get now I'm chat. really sorry, Greg. Yeah, now I'm really sorry. I can tell sabotage. No, but you know it's fascinating, right? Because I mean. It's funny, we're almost going full circle. We have a number of customers that are reopening their phone lines because they're looking at things like VIP support. And how do you provide that better experience for your new gamers? And everything in my life I'm looking at right now, it seems like we're going full circle. Like, hey, we, we did that. Oh, nope, we're going back to, to what it was like. And it seems like it's more personalized. Yes, I'd rather do chat. I think chat is easier. I don't want to talk on the phone. But if I'm a very important player to someone and they open their phone lines for me, I'm going to feel special. I want to work with that company. And I think it's interesting how these older, not older, right? Because it's only a few years ago, but like how we're coming back to technology that has existed a few years ago. Yeah, um, I I do think, it, well, what, everything old is new again. So so that that's exactly what's happening with like, clothes and stuff it's really sad <laughs> but, it seems, it, but it, that cycle also seems to be speeding up the of of like what what's trendy and things like that so as far as the phone support thing i i would love to see more of the vip type things they're hard to they're hard to build so if, when game of thrones conquest first launched it, it was unclear how successful it was going to be. So it it sort of grassroots became this huge success. And and then and then marketing went like, oh, we can we can build on that. And so from the support point point of view, we were caught off guard with people spending what we thought were was like exorbitant amounts in video games like this is ridiculous like when they yell at us and say that we pay your salary like they they legit do like <laughs> so so that was where we were like okay well we have to do something and and so we started looking at like ways to create a vip program for the game of thrones customers and and we had a couple of little forays into it of like, well, maybe we maybe we cue them differently or or maybe we gift them differently. But then there was issues with like, okay, well, if they're international, I I can't just send them X. I can't send them a gift because there's laws and rules and this is going to take forever to get here, but this is going to get here tomorrow. And then they're going to think that they didn't get one because theirs is going to take forever and that. Yeah. So it, it is a, it's a huge undertaking. Kudos to anybody who's made it work. <laughs> yeah. It's a, uh, it's fascinating. And seeing some of these companies, how they scale, how they, how they build out these systems. It, it is a, it is a giant customer journey, cu customer map of understanding who goes where. And yeah. the beauty of this is that all of this can be manipulated fairly quickly. So if you want to do AB testing, right, you can see what's working and what's not working. 
So, yeah. so you, you built out your strategy at WB, you kind of expanded it. And then you met our, our friend, Peter, Peter works at keywords, Peter Gerson and who I told he should do this podcast. And he's like, oh, I'm too busy. He's going to be on, not he's, too busy, Peter. He's going to be on here next week. I don't know when that's going to film, when it's actually going to launch compared to this one, but we were going to be talking really to him. going to do it? Yeah. I'm so excited. So skip this episode and go to the one with Peter. <laughs> so Peter is kind of a generalist in the industry who knows a little bit about everything, enough to be dangerous about everything, right? And, and you met him. I guess at this point, you're at WB and you're looking yes. to outsource some of those work. How, first of all, I mean, if we can go into it or you remember, right? Because it may just be a no detail to you. It's like, how do you realize at this point it's time to start thinking about bringing on additional help from uh, external sources? So. So part of it was, so we did have support. We did have some outsource support, but we were using them. I, I don't think we were using them appropriately. We were using outsource support as a supplement to what we were doing in-house. So it became a, oh, if, if we had extra tickets because this item was broken, we can have these people do that quick reply to them because they needed to be personalized in some way um, instead of just a bulk reply. So at the point where Game of Thrones started to take off, at that point, I think we were getting something like 10,000 tickets a month. It started getting insane. <laughs> and it was, it was, these were tickets that required investigation, not just like, hey, this is a cool game or, hey, can I have free stuff? That kind of like, you know, basic like, oh, we can turn these out because the game was new. It still had bugs and things. So we had to we had to look at every ticket at the same time. The players who are big into these Forex strategy games, the a lot of the most vocal players, I'm not putting everybody in here, would be very upset that their help request was answered with a, a template or someone who did not seem to be English as a first language. So that was when I started looking for, hey, can we get inexpensive support that is Americanized or that looks, their their sentence structure looks like it's American. Not to dupe people, but to take out one step of how do I train these people to get them to respond as though they were sitting in my studio. So that was where I met Peter because I had, I'd gone through a bunch of different, um, looked at a bunch of different BPO options or outsource options and 5CA, sorry, <laughs> I don't know, is that, am I allowed to say that? We'll bleep it, no, yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just beep that part out. Right. That's where he was at the time. And they were where I landed because they were, they had onshore offerings. And at the, at the very beginning, I was like, onshore or die, you cannot have anything but onshore for this. And once I started working with him, I very quickly was like, oh, okay, Manila is 
is absolutely an option as someone who is sort of that American style, like they understand the culture of the U.S. I think it's a that's an awesome point to bring up because I think most of the time people think outsource support and they think probably the cheapest version of it that's not great. They're getting poor English, broken English, right? And right. that's not the case anymore. And this isn't a plug for for any BPO, but it is a plug because I work here. But right, but like. Right. The language barrier is really not that much of a thing anymore across the world because people people have tools that can either help them or people know multiple languages, right? It's not the same thing anymore as back in the day when when you have people trying to to kind of skirt by, skate by with like choppy English uh, and right. and uh, like it, and like books that tell you what the answers exactly are. Like, yeah. The playbook. I'm going to take a quick time out. This is a, a little thing we do in the episode where we like a, a rapid fire questions. I'm going to throw five random questions at you and oh, don't no. put thought into them. Just answer. And they're super simple questions, hopefully. <laughs> and, and we'll go. Okay. So ready? Sure. All right. If you're going to go to a bar, what's the drink you're ordering? Well, they call them different things. It's like a whiskey mule or an Irish mule, a Moscow mule, basically. But instead of vodka, I want whiskey in it. Love it. Great choice. What did you have for breakfast today? I had oatmeal, plain steel cut oatmeal with an apple. I hear oatmeal a lot from people in gaming. It's starting to blow my mind. I <laughs> like fast food. What is your dream vacation? My dream vacation is just, I, well, I did it when I turned 40. I went to London for like two weeks. That's All my right. dream vacation. There you go. What is your, What's the last book you read? The last book I read was The Nine Princes of Amber by Roger Zelazny. The last question is, what would be your last meal? Oh, my goodness. I'm a big food person. Steel-cut oatmeal with apples. <laughs> well, you got to be worried every time but you eat breakfast now. I would also ask for like six or seven lobsters on the side so that they had to make those for me, but I would not eat them. Oh, okay, you're in Massachusetts, so you got good lobsters. I send some down to Jersey. We need some. We need some lobster help here. Okay. Cool. So back to our regu- regularly scheduled program here. So you you've learned to outsource. You've kind of understood in the beginning that maybe your original strategy there wasn't the best strategy, right? But it works, right? And you go on from there. Maybe we'll skip some time ahead, right? Now, then you in in 2022 you start. At Vecna, which is not a gaming company, it is a robotics mm. company, and that's a wild change. Can you kind of give a like a elevator pitch? What is Vecna, so if people who are listening understand what they do? Okay, so Vecna Robotics is a warehouse robotics company. So they have automated forklifts that will pick up an object in one spot and then move through a warehouse, whether it's five miles or around, you know, a maze like Pac-Man and then drop that, that thing off in another spot. So it automates uh, a job that would be super tedious or something that would be expensive for the location to fill in and then um, just makes it less expensive. That sounds awesome. I think that Uh, all the Amazon promo videos you've probably seen with little uh, robots running around doing the same thing Mm -hmm. is uh, how does that role, how do you find that role? And is there something about robotics in Massachusetts? Cause isn't the, uh, what's the other robotics company I'm thinking of that 
has Boston Dynamics. Yeah, right. I, I think they're also based out of Massachusetts. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, that's where they Obviously beat up Boston robots Dynamics. with hockey sticks. <laughs> Have you uh, seen that video? Like, they're really big into their marketing, which is really great. I've seen Spot. I went to the Indy 500 last year, and they had some Spot dogs, some robotics dogs there that are like bomb dogs, basically, that they'll go up. Um, they're not really crazy. dogs. They look, but they're on four legs. You know, you could. Yeah, it's them. awesome. I love their videos, but yeah, sorry. Yeah. Vecna, right? Like, how do you <laughs> yeah, find Vecna. it? And they got really popular after the Stranger Things uh, oh, yeah. episode about Vecna. Not the same Vecna. Wrong Google search. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but the way I, the way that it happened was I I was looking for I was looking for something different. I you know I wanted to I wanted to change up what I've been doing. I've been doing games for so long, and. I found this role um, to lead a support team at Vecna, and one of the things, one of the, one of the, not not requirements, but it was like good, to, nice to haves was video game experience. And I thought, well, I have to, I have to see what this is. And I quickly learned why video game experience was going to be like key to any success for the support team at Vecna. Go on. Yeah, yeah. So, so the support staff for because you're like, how do you support robots? Of course, you have. So there were different levels of customers. So I would call one paying customer. So this is your like, give me a company like Target. We'll say Target. You have your VP people who are going to be like, we want to automate warehouse infrastructure. How do we do that? Oh, let's get a robotics company. And they, they would be the paying customer. So they're like, please put your robots in our warehouse. And then then there's the user customer. So those are the guys who are in the warehouse, who are actually physically going to be with the robot and on the team with the robot. So the support staff would talk to the user customer. So they would call or email. Sometimes they would text for like, can can you help this robot? This robot is not working. Can you tell me why it's not working? And the team then assists with, have you tried turning it off and on again? <laughs> because ultimately it's a forklift with the brain attached to it. And it, for, you know, any any number of things that they would call to ask about, how do I get it to turn on? How do I get it to do this? Why is it sitting over here? Um, because the light stack would have codes on it. So it's it's software. It's ultimately, everything that we're talking about is software. Video games, robotics, software. And then the, the more interesting part of what my team uh, worked with is something that looked a lot like a really 80s video game of a layout of a warehouse. And you can go to Vecna's website. You can, you, I think you can see this on the website. If a robot is stuck in a particular location, say that, that, that a box has dropped off of a warehouse scaffolding or something, and it, it gets in the way of the robot, the robot will attempt to go around it. If, but if there's not enough space, because it, it has, 
it has little uh, sensors around it. If there's not enough space, the robot will then submit its own ticket, basically, and say, hey, I need help. I can't get around this box. And then one of my team members will go like, I'm going to help this robot get around this box. And you look through the camera and go like, okay, we can make it. As a human, I can see we can make it. And then you sort of Ender's Game move the robot around the obstacle and then say, okay, you're clear. And the little robot goes on its way. Fascinating. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> and so, they do that a hundred times a day. So your team was responsible, I guess, was that the primary use case to take control of the robot, drive around? Yeah, help the robots when they got stuck because part of where ro- the robots are autonomous but they're but they're not they don't think for themselves so this is where everybody's like the robots are going to take over i promise you they're not <laughs> just put a little piece of plastic on the floor or like a small bit of two by four in the way and you're scot-free you can you can go that robot will be there <laughs> Wondering how it's going to get around. So, you know, this is where Peter is going to re-enter the story at some point. But I'm curious, at what point do you realize, hey, we need help here? Yeah, because so my team was nine people um, at the time that, that Peter comes into the into the story. And with each new customer, there is at least six new robots that come that come online and part of the service is 24 7 pivotal command center that was the name of um, my service team 24 7 support and once you get eyeballs looking at x amount of robots you are like because the robot will sit and idle for a second and be like, uh, I'm not sure if I can get around this. Let me think about it for a minute. However, the team's so good, they can see the robot stop. They can see the outline that the LIDAR is creating like, oh, I can see that there's an object in the way. So they are sometimes faster than the robot at, at sending that information back to us. Humans, again, you know. <clears throat> and so... At some point, I was like, okay, we need we need more people because the, it's going to become untenable for anybody to look at 100 robots all over different warehouses. And so I start thinking of how do I outsource this job? Because, again, we're in Boston. We're in Waltham. Um, it might as well be Boston. And it's expensive for support. I'm I'm also looking at because it's 24/7. I'm looking at okay, well, where where can I have people who would be working that overnight shift overnight to Boston, but maybe where they live it it's not overnight. So sort of a follow the sun type model. And then I start thinking, well, who is going to be able to do this job? Because it is it's so weird how do I even explain it to someone who's never read Ender's Game? So I, m- my immediate thought was standard call center. Like think about 
standard call center. And then I was like, no, like they, they, yes, they will have the customer support skills. So when someone calls and says, Hey, can I, can I do this? Or can you fix this? They would be like, yep, we can, we can turn it off and on again for you. But I was like, there's no way that, that I can train them how to basically play a video game that might end up in you like running into a bunch of boxes or something like that. And then I, then I thought, okay, well, if we do tech support outsourced, like a IT solution almost. And then I was like, no, that's more expensive than just having in-house customer support. Like once you get to scale, like if I'm, if I'm hiring eventually 18 people or something like that, that's, it's going to be really expensive. I finally was like, well, it is like a video game. And so I called Peter and I was like, Hey dude, I got this. I got this idea. Call me crazy. And, and I said, also like, I only need like three people to start because I need to know if it works first. And like nobody, none of these companies would have ever entertained like three people for a solution for someone. Like they don't even want to do the paperwork. But Peter was like, well, that's interesting. Sure. Let's try it. Which I love about Peter because he's just like, why not? Yeah, try it. I could throw some people at that just to see if it, see if it sticks. And it like from the word go, it was fantastic because Vecna as a startup had very little in the way of training that was not just verbal passed from one human to another. It's the best form, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, and so it was, it was very much like a fly by the seat of my pants undertaking at the very beginning. And like, it's going to sound like the shill now keywords is like, they have always been amazing to me to partner with, to team up with. There's absolutely every human that I have ever come in contact with has just been like the best person. I appreciate that. No, it's a cool company, right? I mean, like like, like you said to Peter, like this is a technology problem. We're a technology company. Let's figure out a way to make this work. Yeah, it's not our usual bread and butter, but why not yeah. take a look at the new problem and figure out a solution? Because if it helps you, it might help others as well. Yeah, and so we started um, some folks in Manila and in Mexico because at, at that time we had just started working with a company whose warehouse workers were in Mexico. And I was like, we don't have any Spanish speaking. And at some point, somebody's going to call us and they're not going to speak English because they're just, they're just a warehouse worker. They never thought they would have to work with a robot and speak English to get it to work again. So, so it was, it was kind of a, a good start to build on a like global sort of robot takeover. (laughs) I I think it's a cool problem and solution, right? It's something you think of and you keep saying Ender's Game and we talked about this before. Like I love that analogy. It makes perfect sense, right? Like get into a little booth and and just 
maneuver the maneuver the vehicle. And you know, it's you say it's not necessarily easy to trust someone. I didn't really think about it. like if you bump into a box, like you might be really causing some major damage, not just to the unit itself, but to the company that it's working for, right? Like, yeah. So it's interesting. And as a as a leader of of customer support, right? Do you have different metrics you monitor for a company like that? or KPIs that you monitor for a company like that compared to a video game company? No, no, not really. Because the the life of the agent is pretty much the same. There's the tickets per hour and the quality of your responses and then customer satisfaction. The the I think the big difference is that with a with a video game the the player basis can be millions of people and you might hear from somebody one time. Maybe if they're really big into your game, you'll hear from them a few times. There was a lady when I was at, when I was at WB who she loved Lord of the Rings online and she would like sometimes send us beef jerky, homemade beef jerky in the mail. Awesome. She was this like sweet old lady. So so it's very rare to have someone who is a repeat, I almost said repeat offender. Yeah, yeah. Repeat submitter. <laughs> repeat customer. Whereas at, at a, someone who works in a warehouse, they, oh, this is Jack's shift. He always calls us when there's an issue and, and you get to build the rapport with that customer. And that's that's something that's a little bit different than the world of video games where you know, you have, you, you know, when that guy's on shift, oh, he's going to call and he's, you know, he's going to have this problem with the robot because it always gets stuck here. Let's just see if we can bypass that and move it for him. This is kind of a wide open question. I don't know if it's going to be answerable, but you know, from Bose, which is electronics to WB, which is gaming to Vecna, which is electronics. Is there kind of one big takeaway that you've learned about customer support that, that, is important across the board, I guess, for lack of better words. Like, what, what's if if you're going to mentor someone, is there any tips that you would give them as a as a manager? Yeah, it actually, it actually the biggest the biggest one comes from my son. So when he was when he was little, he asked me what I did for work because you know he's a little kid, he doesn't know. And I said I work in video games, and I and I help the player you know, be able to play their game. And he's like, oh, so you're like Tron. You fight for the user. And I was like, yeah, I guess I'm like Tron. So it is literally something that I have thought about since he said it to me. And it it is something that I have always done. That's not to say that the customer is always right or that the customer deserves everything that they want. but I I do very much always fight for the user. I love it. And I don't often like to talk about myself, but this is how I became into pre-sales is a, I was a customer support agent and I'd always hear about the problems and the things that people were sold and the fact that like, yeah, we, we can't do that. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know, like we can't do that. And they'd get all pissed off at you and stuff. So I was like, when I learned about pre-sales, I was like, I'm going to fight for my customer support team. Like, I want to make sure that my sales rep is being honest. I want to make sure the customer 
knows that they're being honest. Like at the end of the day, if you if you piss off your customer, you're, you're going to have someone speaking badly about you online, and, and that's not a good thing. So I love that reference that you, with Tron because yeah, you fight for the user, and yeah, you're going to get into battles with your product team, you're going to get into battles with your engineering team, and they're going to fight back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But I. I it's important, even if you're not going to win, it's important to fight for your customer, I think. And I think that's the greatest lesson you can teach anyone that's in this type of role. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. In your years of support, is there any story that that keeps you up at night? That keeps me up at night? In a good or, way or like a bad way? Either way. Either way. Bad is more exciting, but good would be interesting to hear. <laughs> bad, is, bad is more exciting. I guess I have one story that that I do think of very often. I think the guy is now like my friend on Facebook or something. When I when I was when I first started sort of going out of my way to break rules at Turbine <laughs> because I did not like the fact that it was a like you get one item returned for the life of your account that kind of thing. There was a player who was constantly getting reported for just being a horrible human being. In in Lord of the Rings Online, you could you could appear in front of the players. You you did have the ability to to be a character in game. Everybody had a character. And this, I don't know, I don't know if I could say his I don't think he plays anymore. He might. His name was Chaos Wolf which is perfect name for him because the kid was chaos incarnate. He was constantly getting reported. And I finally, like one day I saw him online and I, w- I went into game and I appeared in front of him and I was like, dude, what's your problem? Like, why do you, keep, why do you keep saying thing, horrible things to people? And he was like, he was caught off guard that someone like, he knew I was an admin because I had a plus in front of my name and, and I, I started to form a friendship with this guy, just, a, just like small, every once in a while, when I was working, I would go, I would see it was on and I would go say hi. And like slowly those reports got less and less and less. Eventually it was like, he would tell me a little bit about his home life and I would, you know, be a <laughs> weird therapist in a video game, I guess. And he started Plus Dust Fan Club. He said he always said he was the president of the Plus Dust Fan Club. And eventually when I was when I when we got rid of the MMOs, I I found his name and I found him on Facebook and I friended him on Facebook. So that if he ever wanted to talk to me in real life, he could come and talk to me in real life. And we've had like a couple chats since then. But like, I think that was the biggest like that helped that made me feel better because there was this guy who was on his way to getting banned for life from his favorite video game. And and he just didn't know how to stop himself. I... And, and so I was there and I could help him. I love it. I don't know anything about the book Tuesdays with Maury, but it almost seems like, hey, you know, you're just going to sit down with this guy every few weeks, you know, get to know him. And, and you know, it, it, we often talk about this a lot while we're working at Help Shift, right? And not everyone's really doing it yet, but like 
proactive support, right? Reach out to someone before they come to you, right? And you were proactively reaching out to this character, right? And, and got to know them, right? And, and like, you talk them off a ledge for lack of better words, right? Like imagine putting hours and hours and hours and hours. And hours. when we say that with video games, like it's no joke, it's lots of hours into yeah. this video game and your life. And then all of a sudden, like, because you're an a-hole, one day you're just banned for life and there's nothing you can do. I love that you proactively like, let's get with this guy and start like seeing what's up and figuring it out. And I think it's a fantastic message. I mean, it's an awesome story, I think. And thank you for sharing. And I think it's an important thing even to today again, right? Like proactively reach out to people. It's important to understand what these issues are and try and get in front of them. Yeah. Even even like the smallest check-in with somebody makes you human. and then then the respect level increases because you're that because then you're not just a entity that that bans them yeah that's a great way to put it especially online you know a lot of people are anonymous online and they're going to be jerks because they could be a jerk online and not have to deal with the consequences but but there are consequences and luckily you're able to do that yeah so, Veronica, I appreciate this conversation. I think it's some of the things that you spoke about seem like they were almost before their time, right? Like things from understanding about segmentation when it came to uh, Game of Thrones to outsourcing, even when you at, A at WB, also when you go into Vecna, making these realizations like, hey, th- there's a lot of re- things that align here um, to your story that you shared about kind of proactively reaching out. Uh, I think everything you're doing is awesome and really cool. So I appreciate you coming on. Is there anything you want to share or anything else you want to say before before we wrap today's episode up? Just thank you. It's been great to talk about sort of the the kind of fun stuff, the walk down amnesia lane <laughs> that are things I haven't thought about in a long time. Yeah, no, thank you. Again, these stories are always fun to hear and share and talk about. We will have all of Veronica's information on our Player Engage website. We'll talk about it if you're looking for any information and you want to tell other people where they can find you or. You can find me on LinkedIn. There you go. (laughs) Easy enough. Well, Veronica, thank you so much again for this. I'm hoping we can connect again in the future. and, And yeah, thank you again for joining us today. Thank you.